Hello, I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Well, these sure are exciting times, that's for sure, especially when it comes to concealed carry in New Jersey, as our world is constantly evolving with new and fun things. So, uh, last show, as you may recall, we delved into the uh, John Wick training requirements that are there for qualification, so that uh, folks would have to recertify. They already have a carry, even though they've been certified as uh, safe and trained previously, but now they have to meet this new standard that is the equivalent of veteran police officers, and uh, it is a rigorous standard that is completely and utterly unnecessary for citizens. And this has now become the subject of litigation by the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, one of the sponsors of this show. They filed a, uh, uh, a motion, and they succeeded in reopening the case that was before Judge Bum in federal court. And they are now challenging these qualification-type requirements, which is great news. And it is something that needs to be addressed so that citizens can exercise uh, their constitutional rights without being subject to any type of uh, extreme rigorous qualification testing that is done for law enforcement. Private citizens are not law enforcement. Um, They need to get that through their head, they being the government, okay? They keep associating uh, citizen carry and self-defense with citizens that we're going to be acting like cops. But guess what? We're not. We're not going to act like cops. We're not. Our job isn't law enforcement. Our job isn't arresting people. That's not what it's about. We just want to be able to defend ourselves and our loved ones. That's what it's about. I want the police to do their job and the police to do their work, and that's why we have police. But I shouldn't need to qualify with shooting skills equal to law enforcement who are utilizing their shooting skills for a completely different objective, okay? Because law enforcement have a job to do, and I'm glad they're doing it. But that's not what a citizen needs. And yet there's this blending, this blurring, this uh, position that somehow we have to be that. And that's being challenged, and rightly so. And so that uh, I'm confident we're going to see progress on that front. But it doesn't just stop there with the qualifying requirements of timed fire, of kneeling when you shoot, of weak hand shooting, of shooting at 25 yards, all this insanity that they're pushing on civilian carries that just want to defend themselves and do not ever expect to be engaging in law enforcement activities, yet it carries over. And let's take a look at one of the other parts of the requirements. Remember, there's three things now under the Murphy Carry Killer Anti-Civil Rights Bill, and one of them is the, you know, John Wick 
qualification course you have to take and pass. But the other two are taking the online safety course, which is one thing. But the other is the use of force, instructions in the use of force. And for this, the state police have put out a manual, a manual right online. You can download it yourself right to the state police website. And you can see this manual that instructors need to uh, instruct upon as part of the requirements for having a carry permit in New Jersey. So when we go to this and we hit the, uh, it's under forms to download under carry permit, and you will click it, and guess what comes up as the heading in the tab for the link and then is reiterated at the very top of the PDF. It says, ready folks, use of force training if, I guess they meant the F to be a G, so it would say training, use of force training if for retired law enforcement. That's right. They are using the retired law enforcement manual for the use of force. And, th and then when you read the actual uh, title on the page, right, on the page of the manual, oh, well, it's called Use of Force Interim Training for Private Citizen Concealed Carry. But it's very telling that the actual link and the PDF heading at the top is all derived from retired law enforcement. And guess where the retired law enforcement materials come from? Active law enforcement. And guess what citizens are not? Law enforcement. This is the problem. Instead of creating a program based strictly on what citizens want a permit to carry need, they keep utilizing law enforcement materials, and it is not right. So looking at this manual, let's take a little stroll through it because I'm sure you'll find it very interesting. On the first page of the use of force, interim training for private citizen concealed carry right on the front there i want to point something out in the small print the fine print right on the front the last sentence of this very fine printed paragraph it says certified firearm instructors remain responsible for ensuring that applicants for permits to carry a handgun are properly trained and proficient before attesting to the applicant's competence on the prescribed certification form. So certified instructors, you better keep this in mind because the state police are setting you up as a responsible person. And when you sign that certification form, you are certifying. And you know why that's so important? Because in New Jersey, a certification is the same, same legal weight 
as doing an affidavit. So you are essentially swearing under oath as to the certification qualifications of this individual. And the state police are warning you right on front of this that they're holding you responsible. Keep that little gem in mind. Now let's take a look at the use of force manual when you jump right into it. Well, first it has a pleasant introduction about the use of force training for private citizens. And it talks about some general principles and what you need to know. And, and, and then it lays out what you can't do with a permit to carry. So that first page is pretty much uh, fair, except right at the beginning of the first page under number one, Roman numeral one, after that nice introduction to dress it up, it says private citizen's authority. Private citizen's authority. Really? And letter A says authority to arrest. What? This is the citizen's use of force interim training for private citizens concealed carry. And the very first Roman numeral, number one thing they're going to discuss right away is authority to arrest? Arrest? Are they kidding me? I'm sorry, am I getting a permit to arrest people? Am I going to be uh, law enforcement from this permit? Do I suddenly uh, take on that because of it? No. It has nothing to do with private citizen concealed carry. And yet it's numero uno, folks. Authority to arrest. And it then goes on to say that the law doesn't impose a legal obligation upon a citizen to make an arrest. You betcha it doesn't. And private citizens should consider whether there's an immediate need to act and whether the matter should be handled by appropriate law enforcement with a private citizen acting as a witness. Folks, there's nothing to consider. Do not make arrests. Why do we carry? Let's get to the basic fundamental here. It's not because you want to be vigilantes or cop wannabes or any of that stuff. It's about defending ourselves, about defending ourselves and our loved ones. And when it comes down to that, what is, what is the whole, it boils down to stopping the threat. That's what we want to do. Stop that threat of serious bodily injury or death. And it came down that we were justified in the use of deadly force, and that was the only way to stop it, and that's what we did, and that's what it's about. If that threat is over, it's over. You don't go arresting people. Not your job. If that person is running away, you say, thank God they're running away, and you just call the police. If that threat is over and gone, your job is done. And it continues here. Oh, well, private citizen may be justified in making an arrest. You may be justified in making an arrest. Okay. When an indictable offense was actually committed and the private citizen has probable cause to believe the person the citizen seeks to arrest has committed it. How nice. 
You're going to be making those judgments here? You're going to be deciding so you can what? Arrest people? What does that have to do with self-defense? What does it do with carrying a handgun? Carrying a handgun's not about arresting people. We're not law enforcement. doesn't matter. We'll spend more time on here. A private citizen must be able to justify their actions. A private citizen may arrest for an offense involving breach of the peace committed in their presence. State law also permits a person to arrest for violations of disorderly person laws committed in the per citizen's presence. The law provides that whenever an offense is committed in their presence, any constable or police officer shall and any other person may apprehend without a warrant or process any disorderly person or take him before any magistrate of the county when apprehended, and it goes and cites 2A 169-3, which has nothing to do with carrying a handgun. And then it says a, a private citizen should inform the person under arrest that the private citizen is making a citizen's arrest. And the private citizen should immediately seek the assistance of law enforcement in making the citizen's arrest. Well, if you're going to seek law enforcement assistance, why are you making the arrest? Don't make arrests, okay? You, you, the civil, the potential criminal ramifications against you, all that. This, and this is the first thing the manual talks about? This is the use of farce, not the use of force. It continues, though. Under B, use of force. We're still on this topic, oh my gosh. A private citizen's authority to make arrests includes the right to use objectively reasonable and necessary force to effect the arrest. Force must not be excessive in the type and amount and proportional to the amount of resistance. Then it talks about liability for misuse of force. Good, you need to focus on that <laughs> because you're really liable. A citizen who makes an illegal arrest uses excessive force making a citizen's arrest may be subject to criminal charges and be subject to legal action, such as false arrest, false imprisonment, depending on the nature of the action. Oh, really? Hey, I got a suggestion. Here's a really good suggestion. Maybe, maybe this will be considered. Don't include this in the manual at all. It's not part of this. This isn't law enforcement. Can you get that through your heads? It's, it's so hard for them to break out of the law enforcement mode. And they think because we want carries, we want to be... No. I'm not arresting anyone. I made a deal a long time ago with police. And here's my deal. I'll tell you my deal. If they promise not to give legal advice, I promise not to arrest anybody. How's that for a deal? You should never be arresting anybody. You make sure the professionals handle that. All you need to do is know what to do when it comes to defending yourself and what those parameters are that's where the focus needs to be when can i use deadly force or not and how does that work what are those considerations i need to know now it does get into it after the entire business of arrest to some degree but still uh not in the way that I think it really needs to be presented, but it talks about having a reasonable belief. And it says here that a reasonable belief is an articulable objective factors that support conclusion that there was a basis or need for the use of force. Okay, that's wonderful. Let me tell you in reality what reasonable belief is. 
Reasonable belief is going to be, arguably, what 12 people who weren't smart enough to avoid jury duty believe it is. So you better be really freaking reasonable, okay? You better be able to justify and show just how reasonable you are. Because that reasonable standard gets determined by them. And so be real reasonable. Let's talk about practical considerations here. Let's talk about, instead of trying to get into an entire philosophical debate about what's reasonable and what's not. But, of course, the manual doesn't do that. It talks about imminent danger. You must, in addition to that reasonable belief, the individual presents a threat. Private private citizens must determine there's imminent need for the use of force, right? Imminent danger or threatened action is outcome immediately likely to occur during an encounter. Absent action by the private citizen. The period of time is dependent on the circumstances and facts evident for each situation, and it's not the same in all situations. Boy, that tells you a lot, doesn't it? That really helps you out about what imminent danger is, doesn't it? You'll be able to make that split-second decision listening to that wonderful explanation here given in this use of farce manual. I'm sure that helps citizens tremendously, right? Because I'm sure none of you are confused by it. It's so crystal clear. Hey, maybe a better job could be done here. Maybe something could maybe be explained in real terms as to how one can better make that determination of imminent danger and what that message really stands for. And I'll tell you what, at the end of this, I'm going to tell you the secrets. I'm going to tell you some key things you really need to know so that you can really understand what we're dealing with here. Then it gets into, oh, this is great, force options. Where do I tell you about the force options in the use of force interim training for private citizen concealed carry? Remember, what's this about? Private citizen concealed carry. Where do you see all the options we have, folks? I'm going to tell you all about it when we come back. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law. A bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Hey, I'm back. This is Evan Knappen. I'm so glad you're listening to Gun Lawyer. And I'll tell you what, we've been able to help a lot of folks, but we're only able to do it because we have great sponsors. And one of our sponsors is the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, ANJRPC. That's the number one gun rights group in the state of New Jersey. They are litigating for us as we speak. They just, as I mentioned earlier, reopened the case so we can get these ridiculous training requirements brought down to size. They're fighting over sensitive places. They're challenging the carry killer bill. They're challenging the assault weapon ban. They're challenging large capacity mags. They're fighting for our Second Amendment rights. They have a full-time lobbyist in Trenton. They are there doing good work. You need to support the association. Be a member. Join. They are our group fighting for us. They are something that is so simple you can do and know you're helping in the fight. And look, if you're already a member, send them money. Make your donation. Show how much you care. This is a fight. We're in it, and this is, on one hand, a glorious time because we're establishing, finally, the Second Amendment as it needs to be established in New Jersey and overturning decades upon decades of unfairness. It's a state association standing by our side to do it. You'll get the email alerts from them. You get a fantastic newsletter, and you know that you're part of this group. Check out anjrpc.org and make sure you're a participant, not a bystander. Our other sponsor that we are so appreciative of is We Shoot. Now, We Shoot is a indoor pistol range in Lakewood, and they are convenient to so many folks right there, Monmouth Ocean, etc. Now, We Shoot has been doing training and certifying folks for their carry, and uh, We Shoot has always maintained the highest standards, and as I've told you before, they've never had a single applicant that they trained refused a carry permit because of inadequate training. And I'll tell you what, this was just proven out now because the We Shoot folks, folks that trained at We Shoot, they, they, they take such great care, so thorough, that their prior training is deemed substantially similar to what is required under the new certification and if you actually got your original certification from them, you don't have to retake courses. You can get your new certification directly from WeShoot because you were smart enough to use WeShoot in the first place with their expert trainers. They're super friendly. It's a great place. It's a great range. Check out WeShootUSA.com. Check out their website. Go down there and utilize that range because without ranges, we don't have a place to shoot. Jersey's crowded. We need these ranges. We need them to succeed. We need facilities and resources like We Shoot that offer such spectacular training, training that has already met the standard that the state police, this, this, this standard that is uh, uh, so high a standard. And yet they made sure that the people that they trained were able to do it. And that just shows their skill level. So check out We Shoot. You'll be glad you did. 
And now it's my time to shamelessly promote my book. I will do that. I'll tell you right now, it is the Bible of New Jersey gun law. Ask anybody who has a copy. It's over 500 pages. It's question and answer on 120 topics explained in detail. And it's continuously updated. That's right. You scan that barcode. You subscribe for free. You get alerts and you stay up to date as anything changes. You want to know what's going to happen now? What the result is of the challenge of reopening the case in front of the great Judge Bum? Want to know the answer? Well, you subscribe for free. Get my book. You'll know exactly how it impacts you and you and your carry. You'll uh, be able to have a resource that exists nowhere else for knowing Jersey law and being on top of it. Uh, If you do get a copy of the book, I do have to warn you, do not loan it to anybody because you won't get it back. I get that complaint a lot, you know, so hang on to it when you get it. But uh, if you want to get a copy, you can go to evannappen.com and pick up your copy there. Let me also tell you now about force options. Aha! What do they say in the use of force manual? It says... A private citizen must be familiar with basic force options that may be available to respond to the unlawful force against a private citizen. Okay. In determining which force options, they must remember the basic concepts. All right. Talk about a little bit of difference between non-deadly and deadly force. Okay. So then, under subsection A, they lay out force options for us. Now, remember, this is on what? Private citizen concealed carry. What are the force options? Okay, number one, physical presence, voice commands. This is not a use of force. Okay, force options, constructive authority, physical presence, voice commands. This is not a use of force. Huh, force options, not a use of force. <laughs> Maybe it's not a force option. Huh. Okay. Uh, let's just contradict ourselves right away. Uh, that it's, hey, I didn't write this. I'm telling you what they wrote. Force options. The first one is not an option. Then maybe you don't put it there. Okay. Second force option. Physical contact. This is a minimal amount of contact, such as guiding someone or handcuffing. Wonderful. I mean, I always carry handcuffs. Have them. Well, I don't want to talk about it. That's a little private. All right. Force options. Physical force used to overcome resistance. This includes any physical restraining techniques or striking with hands and feet. Okay. I don't, what else are you striking with? I don't know. But anyway, mechanical force. Ah, oh, this is where it gets good now. Any device or substance other than a firearm used to overcome a subject's resistance. Oh, my God. We're now going to talk about things other than firearms for private citizen concealed carry. That's great. That's great. Do I get to carry things other than firearms in my holster? Is that what my permit allows? Is my is this like Florida where I can carry a knife under my permit too? Or anything else? Oh, no. no of course not. This is strictly a handgun. You're not allowed to have more than two. It can't have a, a magazine that holds over ten. You know. Oh, but let's talk about um, other than a firearm. Used to overcome a subject. A private citizen is not authorized under the state law to possess a nightstick. 
Oh, gee, that was my first question when it came to citizen concealed carry of a handgun for a permit. Can I have a nightstick? What is this even doing in this? It's, it's completely off topic. How nice to know I can't have a nightstick. So I can't walk a beat and make arrests, as in part one, with my nightstick? Is that what you're telling me? How nice. However, a private citizen may possess a chemical agent, such as pepper spray, for self-defense. Citizens are permitted to possess a conducted energy device. How nice. You can't say taser or stun gun, huh? you got to say conducted and Excuse me, but this isn't about tasers, stun guns, chemical agents, or nightsticks. It's about citizen concealed carry. But we'll put it in our list of force options, other than the first one, which isn't a force option, that we list under force options. Oh, and by the way, if you want to carry mace, they mentioned you can't have more than three-quarters of an ounce. Thus, a citizen cannot possess a larger size of pepper spray than any than an active duty law. Okay. You know, this is really interesting. They tell you, first of all, about, they get into detail now about pepper spray, even though, again, none of this has to do with anything with pepper spray, but they make it clear that you're limited to not more than three-quarters of an ounce of pepper spray. But they have to explain that further by saying you can't possess a larger size of pepper spray. Isn't that what the first sentence just said? But, okay, maybe we beat pepper spray to death here enough. And then it says if a private citizen uses pepper spray or a CED. Isn't that cool? CED. Sounds pretty cool. Let's just say stun gun or taser against a perpetrator. Ooh, we get to talk cop language here, too. Perpetrator. The private citizen should, where feasible, summon the immediate assistance of law enforcement officer or first aid squad to provide aftercare to the individual against whom the chemical agent or CED was deployed. But what if I'm making a citizen's arrest, as I'm allowed to do? Do I still need to call the police? Oh, come on. And then finally, oh, in use of force options, then they finally do get to deadly force. And they mention it's with a firearm or knife and any object capable of causing serious bodily harm or death. Really? Okay. So uh, I thought I'm just limited to handguns not more than two. But, hey, there it is. Well, then the uh, manual continues dealing with self-defense and core elements, and then it talks about deadly force may only be used to protect the private citizen against death or serious bodily injury. Okay, I agree. But then it gets into the duty to retreat, the retreat rule. Do you have to retreat in New Jersey? We always get this whole thing about retreating and not retreating and the duty to retreat, and it's going to be the Wild West with guns and retreating and blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's kind of cut through all this on retreating because this manual doesn't make it any easier to understand it. It says a citizen is not justified in using deadly force if a private citizen knows he or she can avoid the necessity of using deadly force with complete safety by retreating. Oh, my God. All right. Yes, I hear that, but guess what? The duty to retreat applies in situations involving deadly force. This is what the state's saying. And then it talks about pointing a fireman and other self-protection. Then it talks about knowing the difference for pointing. And then it talks about engaging in display of a handgun. So now, after mentioning about something about retreating here that 
that you, it sounds like you have this duty to retreat, and then they get into all you know three paragraphs that aren't talking about retreating at all. Um, then they mention this thing called the homeowner's retreat rule. Oh, I thought we left retreating where you just weren't allowed. No, because the homeowner retreat rule says a person is not required to retreat from their dwelling before using deadly force. Oh, wait a minute. How about at the beginning where you say the retreat rule, where a person's not justified in using it if you can avoid it, but maybe right after that, instead of four paragraphs later talking about something else, maybe that would be a good thing, a uh, good time to talk about, you know, the homeowner retreat rule. And by the way, what is the homeowner retreat rule? What is this even? Let me let me try to fix this here. Duty to retreat, what we often hear called stand your ground. Does New Jersey have stand your ground? No, New Jersey does not have stand your ground. But what New Jersey does have is castle doctrine. Ah, what's the difference? Castle doctrine is duty to retreat in one's home. You do not have to retreat in one in your home. What is stand your ground? Ah, that's outside your home, in a place where you may have a right to be. However, there you have a duty to retreat. But the entire duty to retreat, even if you have a duty to retreat, is conditioned upon you being able to do so with complete safety by retreating. Complete safety. Now, please tell me situations where you're actually justified in using deadly force because it's that serious and your life is that threatened or that of a loved one where you are justified in using deadly force but you can get away with complete safety. Please tell me the situation where that exists. I mean, short of, you know, beam me up Scotty, maybe. I mean, where? Anyway. This is designed very nicely to confuse the hell out of folks instead of explaining it clearly and concisely and maybe in an organized way that makes sense. Anyway, the manual continues until you see a section here. Use of force to prevent the commission of a criminal offense See, well, what is this about? Oh, a person is justified in using non-deadly force upon or toward a third party if the person reasonably believes force is immediately necessary to prevent the other person from committing suicide. I'm not kidding. Okay, what is the use of force, not deadly force, in preventing suicide have to do with a citizen's carry permit? I mean, if I encounter someone committing suicide and I have a carry gun, am I going to, what, threaten to shoot them if they commit suicide? What does that even have to do with this? It's, it's, I, I'm speechless. I go, why? Why are you saying this at all? This is, what does this have to do with guns? What does that have to do with carrying a gun? Nothing. Zero. Zip. But you better know it. You better know if you want to carry a gun that you can use force 
to stop somebody from committing suicide because that's something that you better know. Okay, then. Okay, then. So we're looking at this and just shaking our head and obviously, um, again, written <clears throat> to be uh, in compliance with the carry killer mandate, etc. Folks, let me just give you three really important rules, things that you could help guide your behavior. Look, should you understand the law of self-defense and justification, use of absolutely. Are you going to learn it real well from this manual? Hell no. But get a good instructor. Make sure you're taught in it properly and that you're taught what's practically, what's practical, what's important for real, not this stuff. And uh, if your instructor starts talking to you about the uh, law of citizen arrest, um, you've picked the wrong course, okay? Believe me there. And uh, you, you should get this. But I'm going to give you just some things that you should always keep in mind when it comes to use of deadly force. Okay, number one, number one, keep in mind that life wins over property. This is a principle. Let's talk some principles. Life wins over property. So if it is simply about a theft of property, something involving uh that type of a problem where there is no threat of serious bodily injury or death, then do not use your gun. If it, it Life wins over property every time. You do not use deadly force over just property. Now, if someone is trying to rob you of property and they themselves are threatening you with a weapon, well, then it's not the robbing of property, but it's their actions with the weapon that then may justify it. But not if someone is just committing a property type offense. Second principle, and it's not discussed anywhere in this manual, the second principle. I didn't see it. Do not be the instigator. Do not be the troublemaker. Don't be the one who started it. Okay? That's simple. Don't be, it's like two little kids, you know, mommy, he started it. Well, that's actually how it actually works. You don't want to be the one who starts it. Do not be the trouble hunter. You want to be the one that avoids trouble, that avoids problems, that does not instigate, cause, create, or look for trouble because juries don't like that. And it is not a position you ever want to place yourself in. And now let me give you the third key. The third key to really understanding what makes a self-defense claim successful or not successful. There's many elements, of course, but I'll tell you right now, one thing that has got to be conveyed that is not, again, in this manual at all, but you better know it. There's one word, one key to what makes somebody more likely to win a case involving use of deadly force versus lose a case. 
And that one word is fear. You had better be in fear. It has to be a fear that the jury can understand. It needs to have that visceral fear that they get it, that if they were in their in your shoes, they too would be in fear. That's what goes to the heart of imminent danger. And it has to be a reasonable fear. You just can't be, you know, I'm scared. You know, you've got to really be it, and it's got to be. But that is the message that has to be put forward in the legal matter, that message of fear. So, folks, if you're mad, if you're angry, and you pull that trigger, you weren't scared. Juries are not going to like that, and it's going to undercut you on the imminent danger and the state knows it, folks, too. They'll try to paint you as angry, as vengeful, etc. But the key is fear. And in fact, just how scared you were, how afraid you were for your life or that of loved one, these are real concepts, and this is how it really works when you have to make these evaluations. That's just touching on the key points, all right? So yeah, take a really good course in this type of uh, training that you truly need if you're going to have the responsibility of carry. But uh, this manual, this use of farce in term training for private citizen concealed carry has a long way to go if uh, folks are going to be relying on it. But the one takeaway I would have if you're a certified instructor that little fine print sending you all a message. Beware of that. So, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reaches by emailing Evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.